2 Peter chapter 3. Now these are, this right here in 2 Peter chapter 3, what you're about to read is the last words of Peter, the greatest, one of the greatest disciples, apostles of Christ. This is the last thing he's written down for us to read, so it's very important. And what you're going to find out in verse 1, let's find out together. This second epistle, Paul, Peter writes, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. And what Peter's going to do from here on out through the rest of this chapter, he's going to give you seven things that every Christian needs to remember. He's going to give you seven things that every Christian needs to remember. But before we go too far into this, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Father, that uh, your Holy Spirit will move Lead God and direct us into all truth, Lord God. Father, we just pray that Jesus Christ will be glorified and lifted up in every way. Father, I just pray, Lord God, these people have come out. Some of them have come from many, many miles, Lord God, from almost an hour away, Lord God, to hear from you, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that you would uh, you, you speak to the heart the truth, Lord God. It wouldn't be my preaching. It wouldn't be my words. It would be your words, Lord. Father, we just... Pray, Father, that uh, you would give us some healing in this church, Lord God, with certain members, Lord. And, Father, I just pray, Lord God, that at the end of these services, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're not for sure if they would go to heaven or not, Lord God. I pray, Father, when we give the invitation, they come on down and get saved, Lord God. And I thank you for the saving power of Jesus Christ and the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so verse 1, he says, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure mind. He said, I want to stir you up. What's wrong with Christianity in America today is we're a little stagnant. We're like a pond, got some green moss covered up. We're a, little, we're a little stagnant. We're not doing much of anything. Yesterday I was in Brownwood, Texas. I'd seen this stuff up on the internet, but I'd never seen it live. I was in Brownwood, Texas, and all of a sudden I started seeing these trucks drive by, and they had these huge Trump flags on them. And I said, man, he's got a Trump. And then I started seeing more of them drive by, and they had, they had uh, people in the back of the trucks, and they were waving these, these Trump flags. And all of a sudden I got in the middle of one of those Trump train uh, parades or whatever. In Brownwood, Texas, they were just... I mean, literally like 40, 50 cars, trucks, and they had these big old flags and people honking and waving and cheering. And I was like, wow, I've seen this on the internet, but I, didn't ever, I never thought it'd come to Brownwood where they would be just cheering and going crazy for Trump. That's what people need to do for Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like, I want people to be excited like that for Jesus Christ. I want people to be waving the banner of Jesus Christ. That's what we need. And, and Christians are kind of getting stagnant. And, and Peter says at the end, he says, I want to stir you up. And stir your minds up by way of remembrance. So I want, and these are seven things. We're going to find these seven things he wants you to remember. First off, verse 2. First off, verse 2. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. The first thing he wants you to remember is you need to remember the Word of God. You need to remember the words that were written by God. And let me tell you, I'll go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. In the end, we win. <laughs> Okay, in the beginning, God prophesied from the beginning, starting in Genesis all the way through Malachi. In the Old Testament, Jesus Christ was prophesied. God prophesied he was going to bring his son, let him rule on the earth and rule and reign. And he was going to bring his son down to rule and reign this earth with a rod of iron. That's, that's the great Messiah, the Christ, the one that's coming. And the Bible says that is Jesus, the Christ. So that's what the words tell us. The, third, the second thing he wants us to remember is found in verse 3. Knowing this, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, 
walking after their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So the second thing He wants you to know is their scoffers are coming in these last days. So the question is, well, brother, are we living in the last days? I believe we're living in the last days. All the prophecies point towards that. The way you're seeing computer technology and the, the, the ability to implement the, the mark of the beast through chip, chip technology. Because if you read in Revelation chapter 13, that, that mark of the beast, it doesn't say it's going to be on the right hand or on the forehead. Your Bible says it's in the right hand, in the forehead. Which speaks to me living in 2020 of... Of, of, of technology, of, of chip technology. Now, if you're with me, and you can stay here, but turn to 2 uh, Timothy. Turn to 2 Timothy. You're with me. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, and I promise you I'm not going to turn much just to this right here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, because I want to, we're going we're gonna, to, let's, let's make sure we're living in the last days. Because the last days are defined by Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. The last days, so you'll know if we're living in the last days, they're defined they're defined in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. How do we know we're living in the last days? Well, Paul's going to tell us what to look for. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. I'd say, check mark. Covetous, check mark. Boasters, check mark. Proud, check mark. Blasphemers, big check mark. Disobedient to parents. Go to any Walmart, any part of the country, and that will be a big check mark. Unthankful, check mark. Unholy, that's another big check mark. Without natural affection, Amen. yes, sir, check mark. Truce breakers, hmm? yeah, check mark. False accusers, we call it fake media, check mark. Incontinent, what does that mean, incontinent? Incontinent is not restraining your passions, especially sexual passions. Big, big check mark. Fierce. Despisers of those that are good. Check mark. Traitors. Heady. That's rash and hasty. High-minded. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Amen. Amen. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Well, I can tell you if that's a definition of living in the last days, we checkmark just about every one of those. You're living in the last days. And there's going to be scoffers come back in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. We're living in the last days. And there's going to be scoffers come. It says in verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. Lust for money. Lust for knowledge. Lust for sex. Lust. Lust always takes... Love always gives. Lust takes, love gives. Verse 4, and saying, this is what these scoffers say, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. That's what we hear all the time. Y'all been saying for 2,000 years that Jesus Christ is coming back. It's only been going on for 2,000 years. I don't see Jesus Christ come back. If God is real, let lightning strike me. I hear all this nonsense all the time. Scoffing, scoffing. You Christians, you, you, you're, you're weird. Creepy. And they give, they give us phobias. We're, we're homophobes, we're biblophobes, we're all kinds of phobias. And they're scoffing at us. And they're making fun of us. And they're saying all kinds of crazy stuff about us. Yeah, remember that. 
That's nothing new. We know that was going to happen. That's what Peter wants you to remember. Hey, when people are scoffing at you, that just, that just confirms that the Bible's right. The Bible's right. When you turn on the TV and they do nothing but mock Christianity, you used to say, yep, there's another check mark for the Bible. It was right. 2,000 years ago, the Bible said this would happen, and it's happening before our very eyes. Verse 5, here's the third one you need to remember. Here's the third one Peter says you need to remember. For this, they, who's the they there? That would be the scoffers. The scoffers back in verse 4. That they willingly are ignorant. Okay, let's stop there. Willingly or ignorant. What does that mean? That means being stupid on purpose. <laughs> Willingly ignorant. You could be ignorant of something, right? Amen. There's lots of things I'm ignorant of. But willingly ignorant is you could learn the truth about something, but you decide not to learn the truth. That's called being stupid on purpose. That's the way I would put it. For this they willingly are ignorant of. That by, here's what they're willingly ignorant of. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, was being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The third thing you need to remember is, Peter says you need to remember is, scoffers are stupid on purpose about the flood and about God's coming judgment. They're stupid on purpose about that. Now, if you've done any kind of study of science, that's where science really shows their willingful ignorance. Because science, they will not, and no matter what the evidence shows, no matter what the history shows through, there's a historical record through different cultures, not just through the Christian culture, not just through the Jewish culture, through all the main cultures that's known to man, there's been historical knowledge of a flood. This isn't something that is it's just, just, it's just for the Christian. This has been going on throughout history. And you look, at, you look at scientific fact. The oldest known tree is right about 4,000 years old. Well, guess what happened 4,000 years ago? The flood. They find, I, I mention this all the time, they find seashells up on top of Mount Everest, and the science says, how did the seashells get here? And, the, and a Christian says, the flood, the flood, the flood helps explain a lot of what science has trouble with. And they're willfully ignorant of that. And why would they be so willfully ignorant of, and stupid on purpose about the flood? Because the flood says one thing. Judgment's coming from God. That's what it says. That's what it's about. Every time you see that rainbow that they've stole from us and took up for their own cause, that rainbow, that rainbow in the sky is supposed to be for me and you. And God says, I'll never destroy the earth with water again. That's my covenant with you. When you see that rainbow and that bow in the sky and the clouds, that's, my, that's to remind you that I'm not going to flood this earth in judgment again. But the truth is, he did flood this earth. He did judge mankind. See, that's what I dealt with with the Jehovah's Witness woman one time. Jehovah's Witness woman came and knocked on my door and she said, uh, was talking to me and I said, well, you don't believe in hell. And she said, let me tell you something, son. She was a lot older than me. She said, let me tell you something, son, because I had a Dearborn heater. My young son was about one years old, Wade, and uh, Keegan was laying around there, and she said, will you, if your son disobeyed, would you take his hand and would you put it into that fire right there, into that Dearborn heater? And I said, uh, 
No, ma'am. She goes, then why would you think God, when one of his children, when one of his children disobeys, would take, take you and throw you into hell? Man, I didn't have an answer. I was a young Christian at the time. I didn't have an answer to that. I just knew that God's word said there was a hell. That's all I knew. And that woman attacked me like that, and boy, I was flabbergasted. But that's why it's so important that the Holy Spirit lives in you. And the Holy Spirit, which is what? Which is Christ in you. And if you know Christ, he always asks questions. When they ask him a question, he asks them a question. So the Lord gave me a question just like that, and I said, well, let me ask you this. If your son disobeyed, would you drown your son? And that lady said, no. I said, well, then why did God drown all those people in the flood? And the color left her face, and she didn't have an answer. Judgment's coming. I, I'm not yelling at y'all. I'm trying to wake you up, stir you up, let you know that the scoffers are scoffing, but judgment's still coming. And they're stupid on purpose because they don't want a God to judge them for their sins. And the truth is, God will judge you for your sins. God's going to judge me for my sin. And the re that's why I need Jesus Christ to get out of that judgment. I need the blood of Jesus Christ. I need to plead the blood. Of I need to get under the blood of Jesus Christ. I need to find somebody who will pay for my sins. I'm guilty. I deserve death. I deserve hell. And the only way out is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way out. And they're willfully ignorant about that. That's what verse 6 says. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. You know, Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 17 talking about this says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. That's not my words. That's Jesus Christ's words. And he's talking, Luke 17, that's a reference to the end times. That's the way it was. Everybody was jolly. Everybody was marrying, giving in marriage. Life was going on just like life goes on. And you had scoffers saying, ha, ha, look at Noah. Look how stupid Noah is. It's never even rained. The Bible said it had never rained before that. And here's this crazy old man up there preaching for uh, about 120 years. It's going to rain. God's going to flood this earth. And they're like, this crazy old man. And all of a sudden, they start seeing these different animals coming up to this man. He's building this ark. And like, look, he's building a boat out in the middle of nowhere. This guy's crazy. You Christians are called crazy, aren't you? You believe in a guy can save you that died on a cross 2,000 years ago? I most definitely do. I believe in him. I believe he died for me, my sins, and I believe when I pray to him, he hears me, he listens to me. Yes, I believe in a risen Savior called Jesus Christ. You're crazy. Just like Noah was crazy. But when that rain started coming down, and Noah was in that ark, and God closed that ark, and the water started coming up, and coming up, and coming up, don't you know there's some people saying, hey, maybe Noah was right. No, it was too late. Amen. It was too late. Verse 7, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store. You know what that means? God, by his word, destroyed the earth with the flood, and God, by his word, is going to destroy this earth again and judge mankind. It's God's word. That's why I told you, open up the book. It's not my word, it's God's word. That's what's going on here. Reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Going to destroy him. He's going to destroy him. 
And I would be destroyed too if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. Just like the ark, Noah went and got into the ark, Jesus Christ is that type. You need to go and you need to get into Jesus Christ. That's what you need. You need to go and get into Jesus Christ. The fourth thing that he wants us to remember is found there in verse 8. The fourth thing that Peter wants us to remember is found there in verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So he's saying, don't you, don't you be stupid on purpose about this. Don't you be stupid about God's timetable. God's timetable. What's God's timetable? Well, it's just described to you there in verse 8 that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So to the Lord, a thousand years is like one day. What does that mean? Jesus Christ has been gone to us 2,000 years. He's been resurrected and gone up to sit on the right hand of God for 2,000 years. In God's eyes, that's just been a couple of days. He's been gone about a couple of days. Well, 2,000 years passed, and Jesus Christ didn't come back. I don't see Jesus Christ coming back. It, two, you know, the Y2K came, everybody was scared at the turn of the century, and nothing happened. Well, you know your calendars are screwed with, right? They're messed with. No doubt about it. You want me to prove it to you? Maybe you've never noticed this before. September, October, November, December, right? September 9th, October's our 10th month, November's our 11th month, and December's our 12th month, right? That's right, right? Everybody, okay, amen. I got, nobody's arguing with me about that, right? All right, okay, that, I'm just, that's fact. I'm not trying to pr prove something to you. That's fact. November, I mean September, October, November, December. If you know Latin, which they don't teach Latin in school anymore because they want us to stay stupid on purpose. If you knew Latin, nov, what is nov? I mean, sept, sept, September, which is our ninth month. It's our ninth month, right? Sept is seven in Latin. What's oct? Eight, octopus. But that, I thought that was our tenth month. Nov, that's our eleventh month? No, nov means nine. Des, decimal, ten. Somewhere along the way, our calendars got messed with. If you look at the history, the guy's name is Pope Gregory. Go look it up. Gregorian calendar. That's what we're dealing with right now. A Gregorian calendar. Somebody's been messing with time. Messing with what you think is time. The Lord has a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So don't forget that, guys. If you remember anything, when you walk out these doors, remember that to God, His timetable's right on time. He's been gone a couple of days. Been gone a couple of days. Verse 9. The Lord... And remember, now here's the fifth thing he wants us to remember. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. Amen. So the fifth thing he wants you to remember is this. The Lord is long-suffering and wants everyone to get saved. Amen. Now my, Catholic, I mean my Calvinist brethren, John Calvin, John Calvin, he taught that, uh, that God would choose who was saved and who wasn't saved. Called a Calvinistic teaching. And he would choose that you were chosen to go to heaven and you were chosen to go to hell. And uh, you didn't have any option. You didn't have any choice. God's, God's will was you go to heaven. God's will was you go to hell. And he had all this. And this verse right here destroys that. Because you know what God's will is? In verse 9, not willing that any should perish, but that all, A-L-L, -L, 
should come to repentance. What we need to remember, and we forget it sometimes, is we're like, man, why is God putting up with this? We look at this world, we see how wicked it is, how evil it is. Why is God putting up with this? Why doesn't Jesus Christ just come back and, and just destroy this earth, come back and get us out of here and, and straighten people? Why doesn't God? Because God's waiting because he wants more people saved. We were studying Sunday school about Paul. Paul was one of the most wicked men. You could, he was murdering people. He was a religious zealot. He was persecuting people, going in there, tearing up families, killing people. And God says, I want him, though. And I want him saved. He's long-suffering. God's long-suffering because he wants people saved. We need to remember that. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11, it says, Because sentence against the evil work is not executed speedily, Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. The reason why this world is so evil is because God hadn't shown his judgment hand yet. Now, he's shown his judgment, and people are too stupid to see it. I've seen God's hand come on this America back in 9-11. God took his hand off America for a moment, and the twin tires fell, and America should have woke up right there. They should have woke up. But what, what does America do? They double down and they get up there and our leaders are saying, Islam is a peaceful religion. Islam is a peaceful religion. Islam is a peaceful religion. And anybody with any kind of common sense, any kind of common sense knows that Islam is not a peaceful religion. See, I'm trying to get myself kicked off Facebook. It's not. We're just talking to Sunday school. Some teacher, they just had a picture of Muhammad. A picture. What happened, what happened to that teacher? They cut his head off. Clean off. Cut his head off. Clean off. For showing a picture of Muhammad. Just a picture. Didn't say nothing bad about Muhammad. Just showed a picture. Cut his head off. It's such a peaceful religion. Keep drinking the Kool-Aid. Keep drinking it. God's hand has judged this country through hurricanes, through tornadoes, through wildfires. And people saying, it's climate change. Mother Nature's mad at us. It's not Mother Nature, idiot. It's Father God. Amen. Father God. I was just reading in my Bible, just this week in my Bible reading, that God works in the whirlwind. Amen. That's what my Bible says. So when you see this stuff, this crazy stuff going on, that's God's hand moving. And we're too stupid to open our eyes and see it. But God is long-suffering. Why? Because He wants these people that don't believe, He wants these people that don't believe to repent and get saved. And he's going to do it through us. Witnessing. Handing out tracts. Telling people about Jesus Christ. Living the kind of life that has people say, I don't know what's, what it is they have, but I want what they have. And what we have is nothing special in us. It's Jesus Christ in us. That's what makes it special. We need to remember that. God is long-suffering. Notice it says in verse 9, I want to point this out before we move along because we're getting close to getting cl close. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Praise God. When God makes a promise, He keeps it. But I want to give you a little bit of a wake-up call. God promises to bless you, Christian, and you will be blessed. But sometimes, promise, sometimes God's promise, if you read your Bible, sometimes God's promise is, I'm coming to get you. I promise you, you're going to pay for that. Sometimes that promise can be a blessing, and we love the blessings of God, and sometimes God's promises is like, I promise you, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to do something about that. You believe me? You reading your Bible? 
Amen. Did you not remember when God told Jezebel, Jezebel, the dogs are going to eat you. I promise you. You know what's going to happen in your Bible? The dogs are going to eat Jezebel. So when God says, if you don't turn from your wicked ways and you don't take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and repent, I'm going to get you. That's a promise God's going to keep. See, God's not like a lot of these Antifa that you see on TV. You turn and God, you know, these Antifa, they run around with masks and they try to hide themselves. And you, most of the time they run up behind somebody and hit them with a baseball bat and then run like a little girl. And you know, God's not like that. God says about himself, he says, I'll show up and I'll show up to you face to face. God will show up and say, here I am. I thought you were saying, what were you saying about me? I thought you said I wasn't going to come. Here I am. That's the God I'm talking about this morning right here. Look at verse 10, though. The sixth thing you need to remember, maybe the most important thing you need to remember is this. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The sixth thing that Peter says you need to remember, Christian, is the Lord is coming back. We've forgotten it. We've forgotten it. We've gotten, hey, don't fall in the trap like, well, if I just vote for this certain person, everything's going to go okay. And if this person doesn't get in the office, then everything's going to go wrong. No, no, no. It's all okay in Jesus Christ. No matter who's president, Jesus Christ is still king. And no matter what happens, who wins, who loses, no matter what happens in this world, Jesus Christ is still coming back. And no matter they want to scoff, they want to make fun of him, they say, well, it's been 2,000 years, where's he at? I don't see him coming. Y'all Christians have been saying this for for hundreds of years, for centuries. Yeah, and we're going to keep on saying it, because he's still coming. My Bible says, Jesus Christ says, I come quickly. Quickly. Fast. As a thief in the night. Is that what you read? The Lord... The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when he comes down for that rapture, is going to be like a thief coming in. What does a thief do? A thief breaks in when you least expect it, and he gets all your most valuable goods. The most valuable, valuable thing on this earth right now is the Christian. And you look at this world and the hospitals that have been raised, the institutions of learning that have been raised, the, the, the countries that have been prosperous, they're all Christians. You can't deny it. And they hate that. The scoffers hate that. They hate it that when America was created by Christians, it was founded on Christians. Most of the hospitals were founded by Christians. Most of the, Harvard, Yale, all these universities, Duke, they were founded by Christians. And Somewhere along the way, they weaseled the way in. They tried to take over, and then they started destroying it. Now they're ruined. The best thing this world has going forward is Christ. And Christ, in, in, in the Bible, Christ says in Matthew 13, he calls the church, that's me and you, as the bride. He says it's a pearl of great price. Just a pearl of great price. So you got the devil, and he's got this pearl of great price. He's got something that's very, very valuable. And Jesus, like a thief in the night, is going to come in, break in. He's going to take that most valuable. At the rapture, 
One day, the world's going to be going along, and the next day, the next moment, there'll be no Christians here. Jesus came down like a thief in the night, and boom. Where are they all at? Man, you think this world's bad now? Wait till all the Christians are gone. Amen. Amen. No matter what, the, I don't care. I don't care what, those scoffers, those atheists, they, they drive me completely nuts, but they're all a bunch of hypocrites. No, seriously, because if you say, you got, you got $1,000 you need to trust somebody with. Are you going to give $1,000 to this no-good atheist that doesn't believe there's anything wrong in stealing? Or are you going to give it to this Christian that tries to do the right thing? Who are you going to trust that $1,000 with? And don't tell me, I'm going to trust it with that guy. Uh-huh, you know better. You know better. You know who you'll trust. You know who you'll trust. You know the Christian will try to do the right thing. And God knows it in your heart, too. You're just stupid on purpose, willingly ignorant. Am I being too hard? Maybe. I think the world needs to hear the truth. Amen. Amen. The world needs to hear the truth. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. These same scientists that scoff at the flood, these same scientists say, in the beginning there was a big bang. And they got it wrong. Like they, they get a lot of it wrong. The big bang's not at the beginning. The Big Bang is at the end. <laughs> Boom! Wow! Great noise! Woo! Things just burns up. Boom! Everything you're building for, everything you're trying to establish, everything you're, you're, you're looking for in this world, gone. Burned up. Those Super Bowl trophies, those, uh, those, those football stadiums, those baseball fields, those, uh, the, the schools, the education, the cars, the houses, the lands, shoo, just burned up. God said, I'm done with it. It's time to judge everybody. Amen. And we need to remember that. And we need to remember that God's coming back and he's going to judge this world and that there is an end. There is an end coming and a judgment coming. And we need to remember that. Verse 11, in closing, verse 11, the seventh thing that he wants you to remember in closing, verse 11, he says, Sing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Sing that all that you see around you is going to just go up in flames. Okay, that, that's what Peter's saying. You see all this, knowing all these things that he's told us, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Holy conversation, meaning conduct. Conversation would be conduct. What kind of people should we be if all these things are true? Are these things true? I've heard a lot of amens this morning. I believe the word of God to be true. So I believe these things to be true. So what kind of person should I be? I should be holy. Amen. I should be trying to warn people that judgment's coming. Amen. Fire is coming. God's judgment's coming. And the good news is, I'm not just yelling, hey, you're going to hell. That's not what I'm yelling. I'm yelling, hey, Jesus Christ will save you. I, I don't pleasure in hell. I don't have any pleasure in knowing people are going to hell. I've got some good friends that are in hell right now that wouldn't take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My point is, I want to point you to Jesus Christ. I want you to have what I have. Amen. That peace, that joy, that passes all understanding. It's only found in Jesus Christ. And knowing all these things, what should a Christian act like? Look at verse 12. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. You need to be looking for Jesus Christ to come back. You need to be looking for Jesus Christ to come back. Are you like me? You're driving down the road. Maybe you go outside and there's a big cloud come through there and the sun breaks through that cloud. 
Might be a, you see that sunlight start breaking through that cloud. You see that up in, way up in the sky and you see that sunlight break through that cloud. And I think, there's Jesus Christ coming back. He's coming. He's coming. Looking for that for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens shall being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Verse 13, nevertheless, according to his promise, look, here's another thing you should be looking for, Christian. Look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. This ain't our home. This ain't our world. This isn't our political system. I'm going to hate to inform you guys, this ain't your country. I love America. I stand with America. But my country is a heavenly country. My flag is a Christian flag. My king is King Jesus. And when that fire, when God destroys this earth, he's not destroying it for good. He's burning it up, destroys it, judges mankind, and there's a new heavens and a new earth like the world has never known. Amen. That's what we're looking for. We call it heaven. Verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, and we do look, right? Looking for Christ to come back. We're looking for the new heavens and the new earth. Look at verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Christian, these seven things that Peter's told us and told us to remember, the last thing he says, and part of that, that seventh thing, he says you just need to be diligent to do the right thing and to be sinless. We need to be fighting against sin. We need to try not to be sinners. We need to try to live the right kind of life, live the Christian kind of life. Because we're going to answer to Jesus Christ how we live. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, this is going to be an opportunity. Now, I've been preaching Jesus Christ. I've been preaching about Him coming back. Listen, Jesus Christ is the best thing ever happened to me. And it was simply because one day I heard a preacher preach, and he said, he talked about hell, and he talked about Jesus Christ. He said, if Jesus Christ... If, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, God cannot let you into heaven. And I knew I was a sinner. And that preacher told me what the Bible tells me, that if you'll believe on Jesus Christ and take Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, believe on Him, you will be saved. Now I have that verse up here for a reason. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. This isn't works. This isn't say, hey, if you'll start going to church, God's going to save you. If you'll start feeding the poor, God's going to save you. If you'll give money to the church, God's going to save you. I want to point out that we hadn't passed the offering plate one. We don't pass the offering plate up here at this church. We don't want your money. What we are concerned about, not your pocketbook, we're not concerned about your house or your lands. We're concerned about your soul. Because my soul is saved. Not for anything I did. It's because there was a time where I bowed my head and I, and I believed that Jesus Christ was resurrected. I believed he could hear me. And I put my faith and said, Lord Jesus, will you please save me? I don't know, I don't know where Genesis is in the Bible or Revelation. I'm just a sinner and I want to be saved. Amen. And he saved me because I put my faith in him. And the, the operation that God does there is God takes you and takes you and, and, and takes you and puts you in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and takes all your sin and puts it on Christ at the cross. Where would your sin be? Your sin's at the cross, being paid for by Jesus Christ. So from that moment on, I, the Lord came in and started living in me. I'm a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. Now I can look at God. God's no longer my judge that's judging me. Now God's my Father. So when I go to prayer, I cry out, Abba, Father. I say, 
Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Will you help me with this? Will you help me with that? And he's never, ever let me down. Have I gone through storms? Lots of them. There's been lots of storms in my life I've gone through. But I've always, always known that God in the end was going to get me into heaven. And that's what it's all about. Paul said, it, Christ is not for this life right here. Christ is for the life to come that Peter just talked about. This world being burned up. There's another world coming. And the scoffers don't know it's coming. Amen. They're like, it's not coming. They, they always talk about it. It's coming. And beyond a shadow of a doubt, don't you doubt that Jesus Christ is coming back. Amen. He's coming back. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with Christ? I know what I did with Christ. I said, you're my Lord and you're my Savior. And he said, come on in to me. You, you, Christ can either show up and you can either be his friend or be his enemy. It's your choice. Free will, right? God gives you a free will. You love who you want to love, hate who you want to hate. It's your will. But now is your opportunity as we give this invitation. Dear Holy Father, Father, as I give this invitation, Lord God, I'm going to pray, Lord, if there's somebody in the sound of, underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord God, that you speak to the heart the truth, Lord God, about Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we sing this invitation, Father, they'll come on down the aisle and get saved, Lord God. It's simple, by putting their faith in you, Lord God. And Father, I pray, Lord, that if there's somebody out there, Lord, that's been wandering around in the boondocks, Lord God, wandering around, Father, just not living for you, Lord, kind of backslidden, Lord God. Oh, Father, I pray that this opportunity, Lord God, that they just pray to you and get right with you, Lord God, and say, you know what, the time is short, you're coming back, I need to get right with you, Lord, I need to start serving you. And Lord, but I pray a special blessing on everybody that's here this morning, Lord God, that they made an effort, Lord God. They're searching for you, Lord. You know, they didn't come down here searching for us or searching for me, Lord God. They're searching for Jesus Christ, Lord. And I pray, Father, you'll show them Jesus Christ. And you'll give them knowledge in Jesus Christ, Lord. Now, Father, I pray a special blessing on them, Lord God. And Father, I thank you for your words that we can believe in and trust in, Lord God, because of your prophecy, Lord. It's an amazing book, Lord God, and we put all our faith in it. And Lord, I love you. Lord, thank you for loving me and taking care of me. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already 
because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.